The title of the Dharma talk this morning that I've given, it just sometimes I don't know what to talk about. I always talk about the same thing any, anyway, for those of you who listen to me, it's the same old, look at your mind, train your mind. It's got to get tiring. I'm surprised there are many people comment. But you have bad memories. <laughs> I told you, I'm about to tell you again. And so the title is Before Naming, I think that's what I gave you, Before Naming, it's just about impossible to look at something without having some kind of a naming or some kind of attitude or some kind of acceptance projection towards that situation, that thing, that thought pattern. Sometimes when we're meditating, we'll, uh, thoughts will come and we'll get, we'll begin to name them, evaluate them, and do a lot with them. Just, uh, it's like if you get near a carnival, it's pretty hard to stay away from it. You know, but yet we, we get magnetized what's going on in there, what's happening. And so we get magnetized by what our, our own thoughts are incredibly seductive and magnetic. And one of the seductions there is that you can somehow figure things out. Let me help you here. Being the oldest person in the room, probably not going to be able to do that. And I don't mean to say stop looking at it, but don't go any further than looking at it. On the other hand, if you want to, when you're off the cushion, if you want to, Go down if you have a conceptual uh, approach to things. Uh, it depends. I think everyone's a little bit different. But if you want to read uh, Nagarjuna's uh, 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 Madhyamaka Karika Treatise in the Middle Way, he gives all kinds of conceptual ways of going. One of them is the fivefold reasoning, which I do not have memorized, but it's just an imputation that there are, there is not just because there uh, we impute a self to the five skandhas, their form, feeling, perception, concept, and consciousness. Does not mean you're going to find somebody there. Nominally, uh, that's why I'm using the word naming. So nominally, you're, you'll find something. Of course, we're here, but we're not an inherently existent. And that's the frightening thing to ego when the self-centeredness starts to look and sees a yeah, I can't really find any foothold here or any uh, handhold. I think you can probably Google that. There's also translations of that uh, treatise. That's a first-century treatise by Nagarjuna. So what I'm recommending. It's probably going to show up a little bit different for everyone. Some people, that will be a approach that you can take. You can look at something and then see if you can retreat. A consciousness is kind of a, a simplistic kind of metaphor, but see if you can retreat just a little bit away. I'm not telling you to turn off your thinking because that's a kind of a success story or failure story. But I'm asking you to, to work with that a little bit, to just back out of the tendency to want to go into that carnival. Go in, go in, you know, watch it. So it's called, that's why this is called the middle way, because we need to look at it. But when we look at it, we get sucked into it. And then we start to believe our thoughts and think our, believe our judgments. A very difficult area, again, the middle way, to see something, experience something, and not buy it, believe it, not reject it, disbelieve it, or not look away from it. That's, that's, those are the three poisons of passion, aggression, and ignorance. That's really hard. And for someone who has, is, uh, has been uh, conditioned over, not only in this lifetime, but as we say, as we sometimes say, other existences possibly, possibly, not to believe that either, excuse me. So here again, it's again about training the mind and doing this is somewhat, this could be on the cushion, but also post-meditation or <clears throat> meditation in action, as it is sometimes called. It's just see, uh, you're, uh, keep it very simple. Just notice when something arises that wasn't there uh, 30 seconds ago, just notice how there's a tendency to go right into it and start naming it, labeling it, whatever it may be. It may be concern about your car payment or something very like that. It's not to abandon that and leave it, 
but it's to just look at it without uh, giving it any reference points. Not easy. If you do a lot of sitting meditation, this becomes, shall we say, easier. On the other hand, because of the very fundamental, fundamental nature of trying to find inherent existence, it shows up as not finding. And not finding to the self-centeredness feels like losing. Or, no, I don't need to go there. I'm not finding anything. I'll look over here. We'll look until we find something. Uh, from the point of view of these teachings, it's been expressed in many ways that the not finding is, is actually the no-self. That, that is seeing no-self. But it's, uh, uh, it's not very uh, nourishing. We don't have a feeling, a success feeling there. We could even have a disappointing feeling. I'll go back to something that my teacher, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche, whose photo is up here because of his recent, uh, um, the recent memorial service we did for him on April 4th, anniversary of his Parinirvana. Uh, he said, the path to liberation, and I'm paraphrasing, is one disappointment after another until the final disappointment, which is liberation itself. That's a powerful statement for, for anyone to make. And it's also just it's so simple that we, we, we have difficulty understanding how we can continue to do something that is disappointing and how we can know if what we're doing, since it's disappointing, uh, it, it, it looks like kind of a dead end kind of thing. That's how it seems to be working with ego. It's quite, quite a bit uh, feeling of dead end, disappointing. <clears throat> so uh, for those of you who have studied the 12 links on the chain of existence, there are 12 uh, categories, you might say, of the way we come into existence and the way we leave. Birth, age, uh, uh, birth, uh, sickness, aging, and death, and those. Are, that's the last couple, and then the first, first two are, and I'm not going to go through them. Can't even remember them. Are ignorance, uh, uh, formations, consciousness, and then name and form. And the fourth one, name and form, is the one I'm referring to here, emphasizing. Uh, form is ju just form. Something shows up. The body shows up. Everything shows up, and then we, and nominally or. In terms of the actual name of it, yes, it's, there's something there. There's something to refer to, but it, it is not substantial. It does not have inherent existence. It is part of the traditional, uh, as part of something else. And so the traditional one, and for those of you who have done some reading, you probably recognize this very simple metaphor. Uh, they use a chariot. We could use a, a Toyota. We're going to use a chariot, and uh, it's, it's, it is a, a chariot. But if you can't find the chariot in any of its parts. You can take each part and see if you can find a chariot in it. So that's just a, a way of talking about it to show you that it's made up of uh, parts. And those parts get together to form what we call a chariot. Same thing is happening here. It's just that it's so, it's so amazing because the actual thing that's happening here is not is much more than a chariot. It's much more than than something fairly uh, simple, pragmatic like that. It's an astonishing situation that we find ourselves in of actually being, of living and having consciousness show up in such a way that there is an ad attribution or an imputation of someone. And if you, if, you, if you live long enough to train your mind so that you can see that, yes, there's something, as it said in the, in the, in the uh, Nagarjuna, nominally there's someone, but inherently there, there isn't a solid being there. That's an incredible discovery, and one that is difficult to even approach because it's it starts to get darker and darker and look like less and less, and it looks uh, could be uh, threatening. This is why holding still, shikantaza, call it what, what you will, call it meditation, call it mindfulness, have to do a lot of it. 
But this is why sitting down, holding still, regardless of the teachings, regardless of, the, of Buddhism, regardless of anything, belief, disbelief, or uh, just to just sit still and observe what's coming and going seems to eventually, uh, because we're because we're here and we're simplified, we're not adding on to it necessarily. Uh, we're not interpreting what's arising. We're not further naming it or stacking concepts on top of it, uh, hiding out behind uh, uh, plywood. Of, so quite uh, as I've said before, say saying now, and you've heard before, quite often we 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 meet someone, we talk to someone when they're talking to us. There's something they know that the by talking to them, we know they're talking to their idea of us. It's kind of an interesting thing. They're 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 talking to us. We hear them. They're looking at us. But the way in which that happens is they. We could, there's no way you could even explain yourself to them, not that they're even interested. They want to settle. And then what do they settle for? Their concept of you, their judgment of you, their idea. This quite often happens between parents and children, both directions. <laughs> so why, why would mind training, why would meditation practice uh, work? Why would studying the concepts of, say, Nagarjuna or other teachers or listening to a, an old man like me, why would that help you? Just one of those things probably won't be as helpful, or generally speaking. I'm not saying that someone couldn't walk out in the parking lot, a lot today and have a spontaneous realization without doing hardly any sitting meditation at all. It's possible. The causes and conditions that arise uh, as the background for each one of us is extremely different and varied. So it's possible to do that. Um, not likely. Uh, in, in some traditions, the Tibetan, especially the Gelugpas, the Prasangika, Madhyamaka tradition, they, they actually say, you can't do it unless you do it our way. You can't awaken. They pretty much say it's our way or the highway. And, and quite often traditions do that. And it's not so much, I think, if you really look deeply into it because they want you to do what they're doing. It's just that they know that this is very hard to do. And without kind of uh, magnetizing your ego a little bit, like you're on the right path. You belong to our club. Like Soto Zen. Very distasteful. That being said, we need something. So here we have it. We have a building, we have a monastery, we have people that live here, we have people that practice very uh, very sincerely and strongly, and it's hard. It's hard to do this. Uh, people are wanting to leave all the time, and I threaten them. Can't leave. <laughs> Don't leave. So, and, and quite often that can be misunderstood as me wanting to control somebody. Uh, I think uh, those who have left will find that I'm not trying to control anybody. People can come and go. I trust people to do what they need to do uh, for their life. And so there's no sales pitch happening here. I'm just talking to you because you might be interested in how this looks over here. And it looks uh, like what? No self. I don't see anybody. Nominally, yes, to use a fancy word. Yeah, I, I remember your name, kind of, sometimes. Sometimes if I've named you, then I have to wait a minute until your Dharma name. And then I can't remember whether your street name <laughs> or your Dharma name <laughs> Which one? Which one's there? Yeah, yes. Can we have thoughts or thinking without naming? Completely. What is a thought without naming? It's just that. It's just like anything, just like a thought without naming is to know what the thought is, but not really differentiate that thought, thought, make that a really important thought, which is very believable from some other thought, which is, they're both just dreamlike. Yes. Um. Are conceptualizations different from thoughts, or different from naming? That's, that's what it is, concept. I mean, that's how it shows up so we can discuss it. What is the texture of that as opposed to naming? Texture of 
the concepts? It's it's you know they they overlap or they, we're using we're using the concept of naming the concept of thoughts and the concept concept and really it breaks down into the two the two parts of that that fourth uh, level of uh, uh, the twelve links uh, is a name and form. So it's basically saying that you have this form and everything else is consciousness uh, or or naming. So it's just it just means the particularization of something. It's this thought, that feeling, this. Well, we all know how we get caught in some kind of something happens and it triggers something else that possibly is backed up by something else, um, and we 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 get caught in that kind of labyrinth of some kind of structure. The, this happens, that happens. It can be anything from just very simple politics of your own experience to the politics of the world. Just a labyrinth of and there's a there is a illusion that you can do something about it, and I'm saying probably not. But what you here's what you can do: you can find out who you are. Don't miss this opportunity. You're all alive. You have heartbeats. You're here. Please don't miss it. You don't have to join my club. There is no club here. There's not even any membership. People are can come and go. But don't miss the opportunity to find out who you are. Yes. Um, I'm talking, thinking about like the eight consciousnesses. The sixth yes. one is the thinking mind or the conceptual mind. Where does um, the naming uh, arise within the context of those eight? So uh, the way it looks, I don't know, but I'm just using that structure. The eight consciousnesses, I would say somewhere in the area of the, the sixth could be just a mechanical naming, just a, one that has no plus minus neutrality to it. It's just a it's just a, a like business-like attitude towards it, somewhat. Uh, and then the seventh consciousness uh, is the one that is more paranoid and thinks there's something needs protecting, something needs something being attacked. We have to look out for this. We have to look out for that. There's a paranoia going on, and there's a, an idea of advantage. So hope and fear uh, tumble around inside of those uh, hallways, inside inside of those areas of the mind. Use that metaphor that. That hope for something better, fear that it's going to get worse. That that has to do with some with with a condensation of consciousness in the form of the seventh consciousness or paranoia or I need control of this. I need to buy cryptocurrency, don't I? Too late. <laughs> that ship sailed <laughs> ten years ago. <laughs> so right. yeah. huh? What? Up is it going on? Uh, it always changes. <laughs> missed the boat. Failed. Shut up. You said, uh, I believe Trump Reverend Pache said that the laugh, the final disappointment is liberation. Is there a disappointment after liberation? Probably not. I don't know. I'm not liberated. Welcome. <clears throat> yes. Kevin. What is the function of language? To lie. Can you speak further on that? What do you mean? I'm saying you, there's no way you can say the truth. I mean, you can you can say concepts that kind of point that way, but there's no way. You know, it's just a language is a way we uh, we talk. It's like dogs barking. The dogs quite often look at look at us. You can sometimes with you know someone who has dogs, you can see that they if they add human vocal cords and had just a little bit of a change in wiring, which is going to happen, they'll start telling you what to do. Hey, I want. I'm trying to get you to take me outside. I said, "Woof." You know, it's like I mean, you can you can see the per, the kind of perplexity in their eyes. It's true. Cats give up on us. They're not even they can already see that this is going to be a useless situation communicating. So. Yes.
would not naming or labeling, labeling actually be naming or labeling? Yeah. How do we pass that? Just sit a lot, watch what moves. Watch what moves until what starts to show up is the imputed watcher or the imputed object that's moving. That's that's where the that's where the 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 terrifying thing starts to happen, or that's where the magic happens. That's where it becomes. That's when we when we uh, my teacher Trunk Rumpjace uh, talked about sacred world. Everything is completely it has fundamental value all the time, everywhere. It's just everything is valuable in itself. It's it doesn't need a contrast. It's fundamentally valuable. Good on. Oh, in the, one of the chants we said today it said just to just to depict it in literary form is to stain it with defilement. Yes. So what is staining it with defilement? So uh, actually it, it can't it can't go into the philosophy of the whole thing in that little line. So it's just trying to bring your awareness to that. We, I don't know what the, uh, that was written in Chinese originally. And so I don't know who, what that translation was and how they brought it out. I think it could have been translated a little bit better. But what I would say about it is that's the uh, clinging to the, uh, to the description, that, that the clinging to the naming of it, uh, to the rightness, wrongness, uh, or whatever of that, that is, uh, uh, tends to stain it. But we, we depict it all the time. So I think it's the clinging part. You could go in and retranslate that. Anne-Marie. How does one um, disentangle themselves from identities that, that others put on them? Labels, stereotypes. Stop trying to disentangle, to start with, and look at the entanglement. And if you if you stop if you if you're motivated to get rid of it, you actually cloud over the very thing you're trying to look at or trying to work with. So to to actually stop doing that and begin to look at it as it comes and goes and comes and goes, you will start to see to use a, a simple metaphor. You'll start to see the machinery of that. You'll see the way the cogs and wheels and gears and everything work. And if you see it completely, uh, it actually will begin to dissolve of its own because it is your projection that's happening, not theirs. Surprise, surprise. Could you say just a little bit more about that? Uh, no. Darn. <laughs> I can't ask me another question. I, I, I don't, it's not, I'm not very... Um, knowing the way, I mean, knowing me in a small way that you do, how would you suggest I do that? Sit a lot. You already said quite a bit, but sit more, try to do... The, the one that seems to be important that I've noticed, that having done quite a bit of sitting, over the years, one that seems to be helpful for me, anyway, and for others, uh, is to to is to do uh, sessions of, of what I call block sitting, just to sit down and not too fancy or no chance or no anything like, just sit down, hold still for four hours, and you know, and make it. Even if you get up to get a glass of water, come right back and keep going. And what that does is that after about two hours, two and a half hours, that starts to the ego or the self centeredness. I don't know how else to say it, and this won't happen with everyone, but tends to kind of fall asleep, or it just gets worn out. It's just like, I just came to the wrong party. You know, it's like, you know, and it's not that it leaves, but it's the self-centeredness has, has been trying to get you to, for one thing, get up and do something valuable, instead of wasting your time sitting looking at, that, looking at the wall or looking at the floor. So the, the, the last hour or two, and this is just a way of talking about it. It may not happen this. You might have to do... 100 block sits before this will even happen. But something happened where the awareness is there by itself. And uh, this starts out as feeling like loneliness and ends up as being alone. Because there isn't anyone else. It sure looks like it, doesn't it? It's very convincing. Carnival. 
we can talk about that some other point also. Yes, sir. Does language rest on the assumption of separation? Yeah, I don't know if uh, you, you might be able to say more about what you're talking about there, but I would say to some extent that's happening. But what, where are you going with that? What is it you're interested in understanding? Is there communication that doesn't separate? Yes. What is that? Uh, nothing happens. What does that look like? Looks like there isn't anything else. You're getting pretty nosy, aren't you? <laughs> You're welcome. Well, how can yeah. you how can you say that that is an expression, or how can you say that that's communication? Nothing happens. That's communication. I'm saying it because he's he's actually well, the way I get it, and I, I could be wrong. He, he can he can correct me. But the way I get it, he's trying to go to an ultimate situation, he's trying to find out ultimately what that is, and ultimately it isn't anything. It can't be because then it would be relative. So I say, I have to use a relative statement to point to it. So I say, nothing happens because really nothing does happen fundamentally. But if you don't, if you, if you don't see that, then, uh, then you will continue to attach to this and reject that, attach to this and reject that, or ignore any, if, if it's neither passion or aggression, then you'll ignore the whole thing, and rotate around. But to see what everything is, uh, all the warfare, all the, all the, the resistance, all the compliance, all of those uh, things just drop. They drop, and uh, one of the ways I've talked about it recently is the thinking drops into your heart, and the gut feeling of hope and fear comes up into your heart, so like that. Just a way of talking about it. Actually, nothing happens. And that's communication. Yes. Yeah, the very very nature of this is, is communication. Okay. Okay. So, are you saying that we can communicate without language? Yes. No. That very tiny person's doing it. Just look at her. Everybody look at her. <laughs> what, what's being communicated there? That's astonishing. It's happening everywhere, actually. But that's a good example of it. You'll go. So if uh, we can have thought without naming, can we have thought without discrimination? Yeah, the thought itself isn't so much uh, the difficulty. It's the attachment to the thought in, in terms of attaching and grasping or grasping and rejecting. So passion and aggression are both attachment. I want to get rid of this, or I need, I need more of this, or who cares about that? I'm going to do some, look at something else. But yes, they're just, they're, uh, um, one of the ways that it's described in, uh, in Tibetan Buddhism is rangjung, or self-existing. They just, they don't, they're, they're dependently arisen, but they don't care about what they're de dependently arisen from. So they're self-existing. Go ahead. How do we know then that it's a thought? You don't need to. You don't need to know. If you if you if you need to know what it is, then we're right back into the. You've gone right. You you just got out of the carnival, and you're, you go right back in again. It's like uh, addiction. Do you notice any any of you have any kind of addictive uh, trait? I certainly do. And I just notice how uh, I can pick up a donut and put down a donut. I can pick up a donut, put down a donut, and I can also pick up a donut and eat it. <laughs> That's, a, that's actually a class in addiction. That brings up a lot. Did of you forget your name there for me? I don't know. I thought we were in book study. That's what we were, that was the conversation the last few days is these donuts. Yes. And with the naming, we go in there, we name them, we talk about how they're fried in black oil and they're unhealthy and they don't even taste so good 
but we keep yeah, they eating, aren't good, but you have to taste them to find out. eating them. It's like a compulsion. It's an addiction. And knowing all those facts about it is, does not lessen the irresistibility. Yeah. Well, I, as a teacher, I eat them so I can teach. Face is turning red. <laughs> so should I eat more in my training? Uh, yes or no? Magpie Marie, you have a question? Yes. Um, the topic today was before naming. What is before naming? Is that something we should endeavor to see? Well, I'm I'm bringing it up because it seems like that's a it's the naming part that kind of locks us into it, and so it's not just calling something. You know, you have a feeling come up and jealousy. It's not just that. It's it's a lot of other things getting together. But to to look at what you're naming. Uh, sometimes I make recommendations. I don't know if I've done it up here on the town. Or sometimes I talk to somebody about something that's happening. I said, give it another name. Stop calling uh, your uh, whatever's happening. I can't. If any, is that? Uh, can anybody think of something? Depression. Like, huh? Depression. Yeah. Call it. Call it scrambled eggs. And then as soon as you start to call it, as soon as you start to get used to that, name it. Name it something else. You know. And, and you can. And this is like some kind of silly. But you could actually take uh, come out. Uh, take a marshmallow and a flare pen. I'm just making this up. I didn't think this up ahead of time. And draw a sad face on it. Set aside. That's depression. It doesn't look like that's going to work. So good for you guys anyway. But what I'm trying to say is keep it keep it a very definite. That's what this is. And notice how notice how flaky or how 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 um, insubstantial the whole feeling of depression even is. We're not talking about getting rid of dep depression. Anytime you're trying to get rid of something. You're in for it. You're right back in the carnival again. You're down in the horror end of it, the horror show. But to actually just see what it is, then we begin to see like the chariot or like you know, we begin to see the parts of that. And that uh, then that ties into all the work that we've done to strengthen our mind over the last uh, two months, two years, 20 years or whatever it's been. And we begin to see more clearly what that is. And we also begin to uh, our heart begins to resonate with other hearts and we start to fundamentally help others. We're not too worried about whether we attain enlightenment or not. Just can we fundamentally help others? Juju. If a label or a name arises, it seems easier to see than maybe a hidden attitude toward yeah. a thought or something that's arising. Okay. How do we see that hidden attitude without then naming that? So when I say before naming, I say, I'm just saying, just watch the naming. You'll, you'll notice if you just if you just watch it, nothing happens twice. There's always some slight variation on everything. I would just say, just continue to do that. The way you're describing, the way you're talking about the question, you're already you're already doing what you need to do. I don't need to go in and tweak you anymore, correct your situation any at all. Just continue to do that. Sit a lot. How much do you sit a week? How much? Twenty hours a week. Okay, a lot though. A couple hours a day or more. Okay, good. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that, but it's, it's a good idea if you can find a way to, in your busy schedules, to just get the time up that you sit down and do nothing. That will really help you fundamentally. Not easy, though. Good. Yes, David? Is naming a kind of shortcut that we're trying to do, trying to work on? It could be. How do you mean? Um, if we're imputing, uh, it seems like it's like a quick fix to take think that that's a shortcut. 
like to back away from it slightly or to, to be done with it. I'll just name that and go on. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got out of that one. <laughs> That's all I do up here is get out of stuff. We we have time to keep going. Yeah, or, we have a, a couple two, minutes. Yeah, couple minutes. So if you have another couple more questions, yes. How does humor enter into this in terms of? Yes. Know, how does humor enter? Space. If you see space, if you see the space, then uh, you can't help but laugh. And I don't mean a, a laughing that's necessarily a sound, but you you know you, you feel the, the you you feel it. I, I don't know how else to say it, but you're not even even if someone attacks you. You know, you see the humor in it because you see, like, you don't have to fight with anyone. People are just operating out of their insecurity, out of their desire to be right, out of their desire to not be wrong. So the humor is not something uh, you do, it's something you are. There's a lot of space, then there's humor. Yes, John? I'm just naming, um, and the, how, how is it helpful to uh, keep naming? Well, it's helpful. Uh, what, what I'm saying is, uh, uh, before I'm saying it's helpful to see the way you name. To what, when you something happens, to notice when you have you have a uh, example I used is, say you have a it could be a boredom uh, to see the way that you have a feeling, and then then there's some kind of uh, coming up and saying what it is. What that does is that stops us from looking any further. It stops the investigation. Like if you went up. Uh, it went up to a woods and you just says, well, it's just a woods. I mean, you wouldn't go into it, but instead of, instead of naming it, you would just, you would just look in between the trees and you would, you know, to use that metaphor and you would tend to go more into it. Whereas naming stops you and kind of crystallizes or solidifies things. So you don't have to be threatened by what you might find. Is that, is that helpful? What I'm saying? Yeah. Well, somehow I was thinking that when we name things like as a group here, we get connected. Good point. You know, like, we do both. Yeah, you know, we do. We use name. Uh, you know, we use uh, names all the time to describe things. We use names to differentiate our particular situation from other people's. Use theism, non-theism, uh, mind training. One kind of mind training, mindfulness, as opposed to shamatha vipassana, shine, laktang, shikintaza, are all slightly different variations on training the mind. So yeah, the naming. But you know, I think it's about just about being aware that you're naming things rather than try to uh, suppress it. My idea in the title was just, you know, when you're walking down the street, just notice the naming and see if you can see if you can just back see if you can look at anything, see uh, see if you can look at a book that's laying on a, on a table and not know what it is. So it'd be that kind of exercise. Yes. A question from Sheldon down in Union City. He asks, um, it seems like seeing how our stories are actually just perception is just hindsight. How can we see the perception for what it is before it becomes a tornado? Uh, good uh, good question. I think it's to, it, it seems to be necessary, and it's a perfect question. It's necessary to hold very still a lot, meditate a lot, so that you can begin to slowly be more and more precise and see the little tiny eddies that start spinning up there, little dust devils in your mind, little spinning Something spins a little bit. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away. So don't ignore, don't ignore it so it gets larger. And don't push it down so it fights back. And don't fluff it up or excuse it or come up with reasons why you're feeling that way. As soon as you explain why you're feeling, you've left the feeling. might even feel a little better. 
but it's not particularly particularly helpful. It's a form of passion and ignorance. Yes, one more. Uh, one more question. Go there. How can you observe? How can you observe the naming without favoring the naming over the object? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it's just practice. Just noticing, bringing your awareness uh, to that, and just seeing what you're doing. Seeing if you have preferences. And don't get rid of the preference, preferences, because that's another preference. But just noticing, yeah. It's just like um, uh, we're, you know, there's no uh, black people here. Um, black people are busy doing something else. Um, but there, there's, not, I mean, it's, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's no... But you'll notice if... I know in my situation, because I was trained when I was very young to be prejudiced, you know, it was, it was pounded into me. At the same time that was happening, I knew it was, this is just not... This, this, shouldn't be happening. You know, this is unreal or this is not true. But it was the culture that I came up in, in the 40s when I was very young. And it's not about trying to get rid of that because if you try to get rid of it too, put, you get too pushy, you eventually start to think you're not prejudiced. This is a very, very sneaky kind of prejudice. So it's better to make friends with that. See that you have your prejudice and, and don't, don't, you know, it's like trying to meditate away the shape of your ears. You know, there's a kind of conditioning that happens. And so, be with, make friends with your condition, make friends with yourself deeply so that you, you don't have internal warfare over trying some kind of idea of perfection if you want to be perfect. Enlightenment or awakening is not perfection. Well, I don't want to argue with Longchampa. <laughs> it is the great perfection, but it's, it's not a, a great perfection that has a contrast to something else. It is uh, total equanimity. That, that there's nothing at odds with anything else anymore. Should we cease? Cease and desist? And once again, I'd like to remind everybody this Saturday is our all day, so if you can join us, please do. And also we have donation boxes that are in the hallway, and we would greatly appreciate any financial support you can provide us. May you this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize of the God's way.